Beyond Synth, Season 7, Sequence Commencing in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey there, welcome to the show. So here we are, this is episode 200. Now some of you might be thinking, hey man, this just seems like a normal episode, but you would be wrong. I went in episode 200 with two goals, which is uh, novel for me, since I never have a goal in mind when I record this show. The point was to actually think about Synthwave. The music, the art, the scene, and talk about what it means, how it's changed, how I've changed the way I think about it, and also to talk to people from the early days of Beyond Synth as a way of bookending the first few seasons of the show and moving forward. As I started recording conversations, it quickly became uh, apparent that I had way too much shit recorded for just one episode, so episode 200 is now a summer celebration series uh, that's going to run from now until until I say it's finished. Um, So the thing is, I'm not the most eloquent dude, but I've always had trouble explaining the synthwave genre to people. Because when I try, I end up describing something that is way too broad. It's fueled by 80s nostalgia, but also 90s, and kind of late 70s. It has an aesthetic that is Blade Runner, but also Miami Vice, as if these things are the same. And then the music that comes out of the scene, you know, Synthwave is FM84 and Time Cop 1983, The Midnight. It's also Perturbator and Carpenter Brute. It's it's Droid Bishop, Betamax, Calyx, uh, and also Street Cleaner and Protector 101. And then it's Vincenzo Salvi and Dana Jean Phoenix. Like, the point I'm making is that these are all very different artists making very different types of music. And yet it falls under Synthwave. Which is why I've always had a hard time describing the genre to people. Because it's not a genre. Synthwave is the scene. Synthwave is a portal where artists channel their own personal nostalgia and create something new that evokes nostalgia in the people who listen. Musicians, uh, visual artists, graphic designers, filmmakers, animators. There There are many different ways to exist in this scene. It's... A portal simultaneously to the past, the present, and the future. This was what was so compelling to me, and that's why I started doing the show. I wanted to share this with people. But selfishly, I want the artist to be successful because I want more. Music is very important to me. It's life and and soul fuel for me. It powers my own creativity. And great music makes everything worth it and I want to see the artists rewarded for their talents and hopefully we can all sort of grow together and expose more and more people to them I'm not one of those people who wants the scene to be secret or to hoard it for myself not sharing this music is like hoarding a cure for a disease you know I uh, I have more to say about this but the show 
that you're about to listen to is already kind of a long one, and so I might um, expound on these ideas at a later date. And yes, I said expound. But look, the point is this. The bottom line is this. This is the first episode in a summer series. Looking back on Beyond Synth, talking to old guests, old favorites, some people who changed genres, some people who left. And of course, typical Beyond Synth uh, nonsense, because it's still Beyond Synth. I think I spent a whole segment uh, getting Celerect LA Dreams to explain to me what he looks like. I mean, it's still... It's still Beyond Synth, but I hope you guys enjoy the show. Uh, Thank you for listening to Beyond Synth all these years. We're going to elaborate on this idea as we go, and I just want to thank everyone for listening to the show. I want to thank the people who support the show uh, through Patreon and PayPal. That stuff is incredibly helpful. It keeps the show going, and it's because of you guys. It's because of the listeners who makes this show possible. And today I'll be talking with Celerect LA Dreams, Ogre, and Sunglasses Kid. We're talking about what is Synthwave? Has it changed? How do you feel about it? Have you changed? And uh, and a bunch of other shit, man. So let's listen to some music. So what do I got here in the old playlist for today? Uh, oh, here's a cool one from Adriel. This is Pacific Cruise uh, by Adriel featuring David Rogers.
Pacific Cruise featuring David Rogers by Adriel and that was a cool track and that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters there's Mr. Chris Dance the King of the Pattersons and Mike Shima the king in another district How about that? <laughs> You're both kings among men for your very generous support of Beyond Synth. And, of course, this is episode 200 of Beyond Synth. And so I thought I would take some listener uh, messages. So we're going to be playing these over the next few months because a whole bunch of people sent in messages. And so I want to uh, spread them out over the summer series. So let's go to the answering machine, see what we got. Hey Andy, this is Dennis LaFunk and I want to wish you a happy 200th and thanks for keeping 80s music alive through these years. Cheers, man. Well, thanks, Dennis LaFunk. You're a cool guy. And if you want to actually hear Dennis, uh, he was a guest DJ uh, a few weeks ago on the Beyond Synth High Five. That was, uh, that was cool to have him on the show picking tracks. He's got a SoundCloud where he puts together mixes and stuff like that. Mr. Dennis LaFunk. So go, go check him out. Uh, who's next? Yo, Andy. Cosmic here. Happy Beyond Synth 200. You're a pretty stellar dude. All right, thanks, Cosmic. Well, I thought your name was Victor. Now I'm confused. You people with your aliases. I like that stellar dude thing, man. I think I'm going to steal that. I got to come up with something new, man. I'm always calling people cool guys, so stellar dude sounds nice. I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to flat out steal that. How about that? Hey, Andy, this is Binkley, and I have a really stupid question. How did you come up with the name Beyond Synth? And also, how did you come up with your cool catchphrase? Thanks. 
Hey, bud. Well, thanks, Binkley, by the way. I don't actually remember. I wish I did. Uh, later in the show, Ogre finds uh, Robin finds the email I sent him six years ago. I did post it to Facebook already, but you're going to hear in the show when I see it for the first time in six years and read it, and it's a funny moment. But that was before the show had a name, and I literally don't remember why I called it that. I mean, the premise was, very simply, that I was going to talk to artists and musicians who make Synthwave and that we were going to go beyond synth because the kind of conversations I have with people usually don't stay on music for too long. So I think that's basically the idea. And I like the word beyond. Uh, yeah, I wish I had a better answer for you there. If if someone stumbles across an email uh, that I made with them in like six years ago, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll find out. But I don't recall ever really explaining my process to people. Uh, but uh, who knows, man? That's a, good, uh, that's a good question. I'll think about it. Uh, catchphrase, uh, which one? You mean like you're a cool guy or the best synthwave chat show there is? I'm not sure. I feel like I went through a phase. Wasn't there like 50 or 70 episodes where I kept on trying to come up with a catchphrase and then I should go back and listen to the Genesis and see when it finally happens? These are all very good questions, Binkley. Questions I cannot answer, for they have been lost to the sands of time. So how about this? Let's listen to another track and then we'll go chat with Celerect LA Dreams. So here is one from Honeybeard. This is uh, a single of theirs that's on a charity album from Retro Reverb Records. You remember them? We were uh, talking about their live stream thing. And uh, let's listen to it. This is Honeybeard with Like a Fire.
And that was Like a Fire by Honeybeard. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, William Stewart with a 69.69. And Jose Arbello with a 66.59. Now, I think I saw you at Outland, right? Man, Outland was a crazy thing. I'll talk more about it later on. I know we've been building up to it. Uh, it had happened. I, I got some great footage and should be able to put together some cool videos from Outland. I apologize to anybody I didn't talk to, but I was really busy and I did a very silly thing, which uh, which I'm going to talk about at some point. Well, I, I didn't eat all day is the stupid thing I did. So literally like at nighttime, I failed hard. And I started to fucking crash. I felt like shit. I kept on going out and coming back in thinking that would help me. But it was so hot that day. There was actually like a heat warning on the day of Outland. And so the days that bookended Outland were fine. But Outland itself was super hot that day. And it was uh, it was intense. I had a lot of fun. And then there was a point there where I also felt like, shit, I'm going to fucking pass out on the floor here. And it's going to be really embarrassing. I didn't. Uh, but uh, I was feeling like I was going to for a while. So, And I know there's a bunch of people I didn't see because I saw some pictures from Outland. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I never said hi to Cobra Commander. I didn't even say hi to you, did I, buddy? Uh, Matthew. Or there's some other people I didn't see as well. Like, I saw the pictures later. I'm like, oh, man, I felt bad because next time, if I ever do one of these things again, I'll go into more detail about this later on. But if I ever do one of these things again, I'm just going to maybe try and work out a way where I can just interview all the artists before the thing starts and then just enjoy the event uh, and just walk around with a cocktail, you know, like a cool guy. Anyways, we've got all summer to talk about this stuff. So how about this? I'm going to dial the phone right here and uh, we're going to talk to Celerect LA Dreams. Hello. Hey, man, is this Celerect LA Dreams? This is me. <laughs> this is this is me. Like this is how I act if I'm pretending to be on a phone call. Exactly. That's that's how I talk to everybody. So, uh, Kevin, how's it going? Ah, it's going well. Very hot, but I can't complain. You can complain. It's fun. <laughs> well, it's hot. Damn it! Have you ever seen the internet? That's all it is. Right. So here's what's going on, man. It's the 200th episode of Beyond Synth. I'm looking back over the years, how Synthwave has changed, you know, the scene and and all sorts of stuff like this. And obviously you were on in the very early days. And I always consider you as sort of like a constant <sighs> within the Synthwave scene in that you have produced a lot of albums. I think 52, is that correct? That's, I think so. I've kind of lost count. <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny because I'll, I'll often tease when I talk about Celerect because of the amount of stuff that you put out, because <laughs> yeah. you do put out a lot. Yeah. But it's all good stuff, and it's funny because since I consider you this constant, mm -hmm. sometimes I always forget to sort of check in and see what's been going on because I just know, oh, he's probably put out another album or whatever. <laughs> and so I was listening to the newest one, The Digital Culture, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a really good album. Thank you. 
you've always been making consistently good music this whole time. I think it's just because of the the amount of output that you do. I always just know like you're off somewhere making music or whatever. <laughs> and so sometimes I kind of lose touch. And then when I go back and, and go back to it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is really great stuff. And I, it, oh, I appreciate that. So we'll listen to some tracks from the new one today, but I uh, will, let's fucking, uh, yeah. let's, let's, let's talk synth wave. So I came up to this with this revelation. That's what this episode is about. Awesome. Because I've always had such a difficulty explaining synth wave to people <laughs> because there's so many different subgenres within it. Right. And I've always just used the term synthwave as this blanket that just sort of describes everything. And then I finally realized that the reason why I have a problem discussing the genre of synthwave is because it isn't a genre at all. <laughs> it's the portal with which all these different people can sort of explore their their nostalgic sort of creativity. Yes. Moving forward, I'm going to stop referring to it as a genre. <laughs> Because I don't think it is one. Although, and this is where it is interesting talking to you, if I were to explain Synthwave, the genre of Synthwave, I would say you are Synthwave. Wow. Honored. But you know what I mean. It's like, because there's people producing like synth pop and dark wave yeah. and like, you know, cinematic stuff. But when I think about uh-huh. the pure Synthwave sound when it started, when maybe it was a genre before you know, the tag synthwave got used in everything. Right. I think what you make is synthwave. Wow. Does that make sense? That's an honor. It, it makes sense. It does. Because um, I think the whole idea in the beginning was to nostalgically feel what it was to live in the time of the 80s. And some kind of way between Kavinsky and um, Perturbator, the idea has kind of become more of an EDM it feels like some of the um, the origins of how synthwave began started kind of sprouting out, which can be a good thing because evolution is good. So it's yeah, you see a lot of artists going all types of different directions, and they call it synthwave. But you know, I don't want to come off like I'm, I'm I'm putting someone else in another box or anything. But I just think that it's kind of spread out. Like I say, I've always used that term to describe so many different things. Mm-hmm. And I think making the distinction now of, of synthwave as more of a description of the scene mm-hmm. where all these things sort of converge, but then synthwave, I feel like in its purest form as genre was a, was sort of a specific thing that, yes. that kind of sprouted from Outrun and, and, and those sorts of things. Right. But it's more just about the scene in general that sort of brought all these people together to sort of explore their, their nostalgia and all these sort of various ways and and, uh, right. and that's sort of where it sits now for me. Which is good, because I think that it's amazing that this has brought upon so many ideas. I'm really happy and excited about some of the artists that are coming out and how they kind of view this world. Every Everyone has their own take on what they feel is important to them or the, or the kind of uh, journey they've come on. I kind of get a thrill when some of these artists come out and and I'm hearing exactly where they're they're going with it. And I can actually kind of like ride on the journey with them and see, OK, this is what you're trying to say. Yeah. Even if there are no lyrics, you know, it's a genre that has kind of become a world. You know, now you see it in film, television, commercials. So it, it actually opened the doors to the mainstream. I've been seeing a lot of uh, movies lately that do the old uh, pink light from one side and blue light from the <laughs> other side. <laughs> yeah. One thing I love about what you did once on one of your shows is uh, I think you were showing an artist with a mask on. Oh, that made me laugh so much because um, I don't know. You remember like how Dead Mouse came out and Daft Punk, you know, 
with the whole helmets and everything. So sometimes, you know, some artists, they kind of grab a hold of a piece of a scene. They make it almost gimmicky. And so just like in, in Synthwave, the first thing that comes to mind of a lot of newbies is neon lights and Ferraris. Oh, yeah. But it's broader than that. You know, that's a good foundation, but it's so much broader. When it comes to those tropes, mm-hmm. it's a weird thing to say. Like, I was fine with it at the beginning, right? Because that's what I... <laughs> Because it was new, yeah. and it was like the first... So, like, you know, when I first got into the synthwave scene and listening to stuff, and then obviously uh, listened to you shortly after I discovered the scene, and so my my earliest recollections was, uh, you know, the album with the sports car, the red car on the cover. Um, <laughs> uh, what the fuck one is that now? It's so hard to remember yeah, yeah, your damn yeah, album phone, titles. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'll give you a quiz to see if you remember. All right. I'm going to go into my playlist here and type in... <laughs> Celorect. Oh, hold on. Celorect. L.A. Dreams. Uh, uh, Machine Wired. Yes. And so that was one of the earliest ones. I think that was the first album I heard of yours. So that was still in the time where I'm like, oh, I get it. You know, like it's like this like nostalgic electronic music and there's fucking Ferraris and the Countach. And, uh, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So all that stuff was cool at the beginning. Now, when it happens, I'm like, oh, my God. Or like, it's just it's. Yeah, here we go again. You know, but, you know, but you 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 were uh, you were one of the dudes at the forefront of this um, who maybe is responsible for some of this aesthetic. Uh, <laughs> I could be. So I blame you. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, you may be right. I think that in its origin, it was kind of important that there was an understanding as to what this world meant. You know, and I think that when you see palm trees and you know, Lamborghinis and beaches. That was one side of the feeling of what Synthwave was because it kind of it kind of sprung off the 80s and there was more to it, you know. And I think one of our uh, previous shows, you know, sometime last year or the year before, I, I think I remember saying that I, it's more than just, you know, Miami Vice and Terminator, you know. Is it though? Yeah, well, it should. <laughs> it should be, you know. It should be. No, 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 it, I, no I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It should be, you know, it, it went from one point to like high school proms and, you know, the whole breakfast club. But there's so many pieces of this decade that I feel that's gone untouched. Yeah. You know, well, look, I want to keep talking, but let's listen to a track first. Awesome. So this is one I dug from your album, The Digital Culture. This is This Is Our Time by Celerect L.A. Dreams.
And that was Celeract LA Dreams with the track, This Is Our Time. And I am here right now with Celeract LA Dreams. Kevin. Yes, sir. Where is this on the, the 200th episode of Beyond Sin? So I'm also trying to um, tie up loose ends with this show. Mm-hmm. You know, questions that people may have had over the years or questions I've had. Mm-hmm. And so I had a Roxy Drive on the, the show recently. And I know you've been doing some sort of collabs with her. Mm-hmm. And then it just struck me here. Uh, I don't know what you look like. Duh. <laughs> and I've only ever seen pictures of your shoes. Yes. You have pictures of your shoes, and your Instagram has a lot of pictures of uh, action figures that you uh-huh. you take photos of and stuff. Huge collector. So uh, what do you look like? What color is your hair? Well, Are you tall? Are you bald? I, I'm quite tall. I'm not bald. One of the things that I've been wanting to do is to make sure that my music speaks for me. Sure. And I, I know we live in a time where branding and imaging is more important than the actual art. But I knew for some time in the very beginning that I wanted to focus on what I do so that when I emerge, it's like, oh, this is the guy. It's not very like Daft Punky, but I I grew up in a time where music was music. And even though we've always had artists that promoted themselves, but I really wanted the music to speak more. It's kind of like what the gorillas did with the whole animated characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally he emerged and said, hey, here I am. I can tell you I'm tall, kind of athletic built, uh, a little thin, short hair, dark hair, and I am a guy. <laughs> and, I, and I'm one person. <laughs> do, you have, do you have a beard? I, ha- I have somewhat a facial stubble. It's like five o'clock shadow. I keep it sometimes. Sometimes I shave it. So... I'm kind of more clean cut most of the time, but if I'm just kind of like running around the city, I'll, I'll go for months and not shade. All right. Well, that's cool. Doesn't give you anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I was just hoping after all this because you have like you have sort of like a, a deep voice, and so I was always imagining it'd be hilarious if you show up and you're just like this little like four foot tall like Chinese guy. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. I the thing is funny because uh, my height. I'm not seven feet tall. I'm about six foot two. Well, that's tall, man. I think I get my voice from my dad, you know, he was a very, and he was a little shorter than I am, but he had a, a deeper voice and same with my brothers. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll see very soon. So to squash any rumors, you are not a four foot tall Chinese man. No, sir. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> I ask the important questions here. <laughs> well, I also want to see too, cause I remember the first time you and I talked, you talked about that, uh, in your, one of your early musical projects was in this kind of boy band thing. Uh, <laughs> Entourage. Yeah. So I want to see a picture of that too. Oh God. I have to call those guys. It's been, wow, since like 96. You know? Yeah, man. Real nostalgia. Yeah, that's real nostalgia. And it's funny. We used to meet up in one of the guy's rooms and he had this Roland D50. And all of our music came out of that. That's it. Nice. Yeah. You got to uh, you got to find those tracks. Yes, sir. I will. There's so much. Can they be found? I have a vault. I'm kind of like a Prince type, <laughs> you know, so I have a I have a vault, you know, of music that's never been heard. So, yeah, you know, I, I think it's funny because people are going to see a different side of, you know, the seller wreck that they've come to know. And when they know that I am a human and I'm not a bot. <laughs> so, Have you been accused of being a bot? No, actually, I've been uh, asked if I was two people. Am I a guy and a girl? Am I androgynous? Uh, am I a cyborg? So it's, there's been a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> These are all very good questions. I should be writing this down. My show is always so disorganized. I didn't know if I just asked questions like that. Maybe I could get better... Uh... <laughs> From now on, every show I do. So, are you androgynous? 
This is really like, important you, stuff. Yeah, it is. Do you wear nail polish and dresses? I mean, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I know this has nothing to do with the music, but uh, nothing yeah. at all. And, you know, because you know, people just want to know, and, I, and I'm, I'm actually flattered by it because I think that when people get to know what you do and they they learn to appreciate it, they just want to get to know your world. You know. And I could appreciate that, you know, people just wanting to know. Yeah. I'd like to know who you are, you know, feel like I'm a part of your world. You know? So I've taken all that into account and I do plan on emerging very soon. Now you have to ironically emerge with a mask. You say, I'm finally going to reveal myself. And then when you do, your image is you with a mask on. Yeah. Like uh, V for Vendetta. Yeah. I just show up. Yeah. With- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do it so it's got like two colors, you know, so one half is the Cellar Act and one half is the L.A. Dreams and that sort okay, of... Okay, that's awesome. And I think you gave away too much. Oh, no. Sorry. Awesome idea. <laughs> anyway, you can have it. <laughs> but look, how about this? Let's listen to another track. Okay. And then we'll uh, we'll keep talking. So this was uh, another one I dug from this album. And this one's called Don't Look Back by Cellar Act. L.A. Dreams. <laughs>
And that was Don't Look Back by Celerect LA Dreams. And I am here right now with Kevin talking about... Uh, Beef for Vendetta. A bunch of gibberish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you think um, you have changed since you started the Celerect LA Dreams project? Well, I stay close to my roots as far as um, how it all began. But I think I've taken different journeys from some lighthearted material to some a little darker material. But this latest project is really more of a uh, pop. And, you know, because if I actually had to make an album based upon all of my life experiences, that'd probably be over a thousand. It all plays a role in how I've kind of feel like I've evolved. I try not to get caught up into what's currently happening in the scene. I kind of flow from my own direction. I think within myself that I know that there's so much more that can be done. And I listen to a lot of great artists that are out now. Like I'm a huge fan of Parallels. They have a really nice sound. And also Paperwhite, which I haven't heard from, from in a while. Yeah, so I think that the evolution of what I'm doing is really just taking the origins of who I am to like different avenues and different neighborhoods. But I try not to stray too far away from the art that I began the journey on. Now you still do graphic design stuff? I do, yes. That's a major part of what I do other than music. Now, is that something you do freelance or do you work for a company or like? I've worked for a company for years and now I'm pretty much freelancing it and um, done a lot of projects for different companies, you know, like Urban Outfitters. You know, I've done some things uh, with Coca-Cola. It's part of really a connection to the music and I get lost in it. I mean, it's just uh, it's a world that I love to travel to. It's yeah, it's just a huge, another huge part of who I am. So what's cool is since I started this show in 2013, one of the things that I've enjoyed is just seeing the artists that sort of stuck with it and how their trajectories have, you know, where they've gone and, and the projects that they've been involved with. And so it's so cool to see the beginnings of the synthwave scene and, and seeing these artists put out stuff and guys like you and then seeing now like your music popping up and all these like TV shows and like all these other things. And it's so cool. Like, I mean, what's some of the stuff that your music's been in lately? Like, I feel like I've seen a lot of shows where you've you had your music featured. Yeah. Um, well, I think the most uh, recent that's actually been out there was the movie Flower with uh, Zoe Deutsch and Adam Scott and uh, Catherine Hahn. And um, that I was really uh, excited to be a part of. And uh, as you know, I've had some music on HBO, Vice Principals, and also Amazon Prime's Red Oaks, the second and third season. There's also some current projects that are in the play now. Yeah. And then there, there are quite a few uh, commercials that I'm having some music placement in. And also I'm composing a score for a film that's been shot in the Philippines. So you're a busy guy. Yeah, I'm constantly working and, and I love it. You know, it's it's kind of what I've dreamed of. This is a dumb technical question, but like, does no. how do you get your music? Like, is there like an agency or some place where you like make your music available so that people can like pick from it? Are you handling that personally or does that go through another thing? Well, actually, the way it started was I received... Uh, I was contacted when I put out the album Sounds and Waves with Rad Rush, and they contacted uh, them about a track that I owned. And so they gave me the information, they communicated with me and wanted to put a song in a show. And from there, I have been kind of in the ears of Danny McBride 
he's done three different projects that my music has been a part of. And I didn't know until later that he was like a huge fan of Synthwave. So it's kind of, you know, it's almost by accident. And this was always the world that I wanted to be a part of. You know, I've been asked if I do live shows and stuff like that, which I might. But my focus is doing a lot of cinematic behind the scenes type work. And so once that took off with Red Oaks, which Danny McBride was also a part of in their own production and, and Jody Hill. It went on from there to HBO. And also uh, Danny McBride produced Flower. He was one of the executive producers. Right. So it kind of all stuck under Danny McBride's involvement with these projects. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's cool because I think your music, I was talking to Marco about this uh, the other day when we, when we were doing one of our High Five episodes, but like how I, I've been so excited you know, to see different artists get their work in movies and TV and stuff and I think you specifically, we always just thought like, yeah, like this stuff was always, it was always designed for a movie, yes. like in TV. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when you, when I listen to your stuff, I always just think like, yeah, I, I get where this would go in, in a film because like some artists, they'll make music that I think is really cool and like really fast paced, but sometimes it can be a little too specific where it's like, yeah. unless the scene was cut very specifically to the music exactly for it to work. You know what I mean? Whereas like you make this music that just will create a mood in a scene wow. without necessarily like distracting from that's exactly I, I I'm glad you feel that because that's exactly my intention because I've always felt that when I listen to your stuff it's like yours is the kind of music that I think works well where someone could just take your track and just put it in the film <laughs> whereas you wow. know other people like they make cool music but it might need to be tailored uh-huh. in a certain way or they might like, okay well we'll take the one minute to this minute and we'll do this and that whereas I feel like your stuff is already it's like prepackaged and designed to be like wow. if I just take this song and drop it into the scene where these two characters are talking in a car it'll add to the scene and it'll create this mood and it's it's like it's, like it's done it's it's like you, you've already done all the work in advance to like, wow. you know what I mean? Yeah. And the amazing thing about it, growing up, I had this conversation with some friends the other day. And I remember like when we were younger, we would watch the earlier days of HBO and it was a dream. I mean, the world seemed like it was so big. And I knew that somewhere in the future that I wanted to be a part of the cinematic world. So fast forward to now, it's almost um, surreal. Everything that I've experienced, you know, from high schools to, you know, first loves to breakups to first day of class, all of those things played a big role in my whole life. I still remember so many moments and I try to capture moments in a track. That's why you see so many albums because every track is like a moment because of that reason it's possible that they sit well with certain uh, cinematic features yeah for sure i mean that's definitely like that that's the vibe i've always uh, i've always gotten it's fucking uh, it's really cool well, how about this let's listen to another track yeah this was another one that i dug from the album this one's called move on <laughs> by celerect la dreams
And that was Celeract LA Dreams with the track Move On. And I am here with Celeract LA Dreams right now, talking about uh, moments and <laughs> capturing things and... I guess moments in this case, and uh, <laughs> you know, music and movies and TV, and where you started and where you've gone and where are you going? Where are you going? You're—I I don't even know myself. Where do you find space for all these fucking figures you collect, <laughs> dude? It's like every two seconds on Instagram, there's like a new one. Like I don't know where you put them all. I, I have a room uh, dedicated, and I'll probably take some snapshots to uh, a lot of collectibles that I collect. Uh, growing up, you know, my dad would bring home like He-Man and Thundercats and Silverhawks. And so I said to myself, when I when I got older and I was put in a position to where I could do it, I want to dedicate a room for that. So I have a room dedicated to like RoboCop, 90s Ninja Turtles, Stranger Things, Marvel Legends, NECA, SH Figure Arts, Mesco. There's so many figures that I have in there, along with like Nagel serographs and, you know, so I have a lot of uh, space for those. How do ladies feel about this room when you show it to them? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I'm actually now seeing someone and she's just a bigger nerd as I am. She's a huge fan of Guardians of the Galaxy, and the whole Marvel Avengers world. So that was actually awesome to actually meet someone who kind of had the same kind of childlike collectible feelings that I do. Well, that's cool. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. She's kind of like a, a SDCC type Comic-Con girl. So It's cool that we're seeing sort of more of that. I know like... I, I mean, I've had this conversation on the show and about, you know, obviously like with, with the synthwave scene is, is predominantly male and there's yes. and there's reasons for that that I've been sort of trying to like parse out because a lot of times people now will, will talk about these ways that things are sort of exclusionary uh-huh. to women and stuff like this. And I never felt that way. Like, I don't like that never. attitude because I know when I was young and I said this mm-hmm. before, it's like whenever I found out that a girl liked the same things that I liked was a very exciting thing. Absolutely. And I would never turn them away. Right. Because a lot of the things I liked were really nerdy and so, you know, anytime a girl would be interested, it's like you wanted them to be part of it. Absolutely. And so I'm happy now that there's, I think, it might be like a slightly younger generation of girls who are getting into like more electronic music and stuff like that as well and I do try and find them. Mm -hmm. I'm also not one of those people who's, who who judges it. Absolutely. Because I know sometimes people will be like, oh, the, the, you know, that scene's full of dudes as if to say that that's a bad thing and I'm like, look, that just happens to be the way it is. Right, right. And it's fine because it's a bunch of guys making a lot of awesome music but obviously it's nice to have ladies around too. I've always liked having ladies around absolutely that's a very important um not only to the genre but the world we live in i mean and i i had the absolute fortune of working with some very talented uh, female artists and so yeah that whole exclusion thing i don't get i i feel like this genre more than any other should be more all-inclusive the point is that nostalgia itself isn't uh, yes. is specific. It's like everyone has nostalgia for different things. Sure. And since Synthwave was sort of built on nostalgia, it's like, I think that there will be this sort of change. It just so happens that since we're focused on the 80s, when I was growing up in the 80s, you know, it, it was a time when... I remember girls kind of teasing like the boys for playing video games all the time. Oh, like yeah. they weren't, you know, like, and that, that existed. I get that it's changing now and that's a good thing. Yeah. But that's the way it was. And so to me, when I think of the synth wave scene being largely male, it's like, yeah, that's just the way it is because like it's, you know, a lot of the stuff when the scene started, it was very like video game focused and like sure. 80s focused and video games and these sorts of things. And yeah, you're right. Growing up playing Dungeons and Dragons, the ladies were not involved with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, See, yeah, but, like, not. but no one. 
one, like, I, I think when I say this stuff, it's like, I don't think there's necessarily too many people within the scene who would actively be like, we don't want ladies in here. Like, sure, I don't think sure. that's a thing. What right. I see, I see more of that, that attitude happening from outside. It's like whenever people see a group where it's like, oh, it just so happens that there's more guys in this particular group, then people will immediately say that that's a bad thing. So very true. And that's what I sort of disagree with, because I'm like, it just so happens that there's certain Mm -hmm. things that seem to appeal more, and maybe the ratios are changing, but I don't see any problem with it the I way agree. that some people do like they'll look at a group of oh how come more guys like this thing that means it's bad i'm like no it just means that more guys like that thing that's all you're right i think that it's it's a whole idea of just because you see a majority of a group doing something doesn't mean it excludes someone else or something else it's just the way it currently is at the moment yes exactly yeah so i agree i agree for my point of view since i just love electronic music and mm-hmm. that's why i started this show in the first place and so the more people that join up the better because you want people from different backgrounds and experiences making music but i just like when they funnel it through a keyboard i mean that's my <laughs> that's my criteria right so it's like because everybody's coming yeah. from different places you know when i talk to you and and you talk about uh you know the experiences you had in your life and how you sort of channel the 80s into your music and then you know there's there's a lot of people in the synth scene that you know were in rock bands true before <laughs> before they started making electronic music and so they bring that to it mm-hmm. and other people who like really love chip tunes and then they bring that to it true. and to me that's great and so obviously the more voices and the more people that come in the better like just because it just means you know it's going to be more stuff for me yeah it's a and you're right you know and uh, speaking of stuff for me let's uh, listen to another track man this was another one uh, that I dug off the new album this one is called Prove Your Love by Celerect LA Dreams
And that was Celerect LA Dreams with Prove Your Love. And that's a cool track. It's got some cool vocoder stuff going on in there. And I am here right now with Celerect LA Dreams. And we're just here on the uh, the 200th episode of uh, Beyond Synth. And I think your show is probably the most popular in, in this genre. I, I hear it from people all the time, you know. Actually, I've had a, a couple of people email me asking um, how they can call in to Beyond Synth. And I was like, uh, I think it could be reached, you know, on oh, Facebook. I'm, so, I'm sorry you received those. <laughs> well, you know, because your show is getting... Honestly, like, seriously, I mean, here I live in L.A., and, and, and your show is mentioned quite a bit. And um, I don't know if you're aware of it, and but yeah, it's in the air. I wouldn't be surprised if, if some network would want to put your show on like a radio stream. Well, then I just get a lot of people really offended at me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it is what it is. We all grow, right? We, we expand. We get bigger. That's what it's about. You know, we get into this. And I know a lot of people want to keep it to themselves. No, Synthwave is mine. But the whole idea is to expose it to the world. Yeah, I, I, that's one attitude I just cannot stand. That's the yeah. one I, I, I will not ever be on board with people complaining when when things get big. Yes. It's just like, dude, I, like, I love this stuff. It being big isn't a problem. The problem is when the products themselves are watered down or not as good. It's like... Absolutely. Look, like I love, I love Star Wars. Okay, and it, I, you know, I was a nerd when I was a kid, and I and I and I watched, and it wasn't cool. Yeah, it's like I have no problem with Star Wars getting bigger. I have a problem when the movies are crap. <laughs> All right, like my problem with Last Jedi isn't that a lot of people watched it; it's that it was made because like it, they did horrible things to Luke, and I'm still upset about yeah. it. But uh, so that's not the problem. Like I love when things uh, when when things are popular. And like they're also good. Like when Grand Theft Auto comes out, and like fucking like a hundred million people buy it. Yeah, that doesn't upset me. Yeah, because like oh, they, they they took my thing. It was my thing. I'm like, no, I want to be able to walk around and be able to say, hey, Grand Theft Auto is cool, and know that whoever I'm talking to will know what I'm talking about, and be like, absolutely. And then like you share stories and stuff. I mean, that was back in the day. The reason why I always talk about Goldeneye all the time and things is because when there was less systems Mm -hmm. and there was less games, Mm -hmm. more people had these universal experiences with these certain game software and stuff like that. Right. And so, you know, when I talk about Goldeneye, if these people were growing up in the 90s and they were in high school or they were in college in the 90s, they're going to say, yeah, Goldeneye, we used to fucking stay up late and fucking party and play Goldeneye. And like, you have these connections with people and now there's like you know a million games get released a month there's like millions of places where you can play them and so sometimes you'll you'll sit there and talk about a game that's amazing and like people haven't even fucking played it or heard of it and you're like and it's like a fucking triple a game and it's like you, right. you could sink months into a game that people don't even know exists you know and isn't the whole point of putting out anything is to allow it to grow and I absolutely agree with you and i think a lot of people connect the mom and pop store and the whole Barnes and Noble deal, and they kind of connect that with everything. So they figure out, okay, Barnes and Noble shows up, my mom and pop bookstore is going to go out of business. And so the idea is that they don't know anything about books because they're just a mass corporation and all these weird things that people think. Mm. And they kind of bring that into genres and things that we like. Instead of looking at it as a good thing, now we can expose everyone who may not have known about it to it. We want to keep it small. And so when when artists start to do big things, like when your show becomes like a major show, I don't know, like Larry King 
synth wave. Yeah, you get, give it a few months. That's it. Yeah, you know what I mean? And, and you know, you're going to have people that say like, ah, I remember when he was just, he was, you know, he was doing this and now he has like churches on you know, it's like, but that's the whole point. No, I know. I agree. I mean, like for me, it's always been just, I love this music and it got so excited that I wanted to, to share it, but I'm also a weird guy. So I wasn't <laughs> going to, I wasn't going to share it in a normal way because yeah. there are synthwave shows and other radio shows that pop up. It's interesting is because oftentimes people will try and be cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As, as host, you know, and, uh, but I know, and everybody else knows that everyone in this scene is a nerd. Yeah. Having personal conversations with people, like with who they really are and being honest about who I am, mm-hmm. which is a weird nerd guy. So I was never going to do a show where it's me doing like serious voice the whole time. And yeah, <laughs> man, this track reminds me of driving down a, a Miami beach. The sun is setting low. I look to my buddy Crockett and we go for a ride. This is Celerect LA Dreams. You're listening to Beyond Synth Nighttime, whatever. Like, I could never do that because if anyone listening, and I know it turns some people off that this show is really silly, but it's like, if I did that, you would just know it was false because you're like, well, this dude's a nerd though. Like, you know. Like, this- and, and your show is so different from those because you have a lot of knowledge of the music. But at the same time, you make it fun. I get on your show and it's like we talk about things that they all connect to the, the music, but it's more about who are you? So to laugh about a movie or a moment or the collectibles that I have, I think that's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love when you just say just just collectibles as if there's just a few <laughs> like your Instagram feed. Oh, gosh, dude. I don't know how big that room of yours is, but it's well, let's put it like this. I have a closet that has 15 more boxes full of these figures. <laughs> like, kid you not, they're like large boxes. And I keep some in the garage, just collectibles over the years, things that are just hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's an addiction. Yeah. All right, man. Well, look, we got to run. Uh, I got all these other people to talk to here, but okay. it's been lovely to catch up with you. Same here. And uh, we will talk again in the future. But I hope you have a lovely day. And thanks for uh, continuing to make uh, cool music and and joining me here on this uh, celebration. Well, I appreciate you calling me on for this celebration. And congratulations to your 200th show. Are you kidding? That's amazing. Yeah, man. Well, thanks, dude. And, And yeah, you fucking keep being a cool guy. And you the same, Andy. All right, and that was Celerect LA Dreams. That lovely call was brought to you by Mr. Jacob Wick with the 4488 and City Hunter with the 42 and Lucas Abayos with the 2666. Thank you guys for supporting Beyond Synth on patreon.com slash Beyond Synth. And all of you people, if you enjoy the lovely programming uh, on Beyond Synth, man, uh, hey, man. You know, there's a Patreon, there's a PayPal, there's all these ways to keep the lights on in the studio. So how about this? Let's listen to a song, and then maybe I'll call somebody else. So this one I just had to play because the dude is called Nebutron Jones. Which is an amazing fucking name. And when I got this album sent to me, I was like, please be good, please be good, because I really wanted to play something by Nebutron Jones. And I'm going to play something by Nebutron Jones. It's actually a really nice album. Kind of cinematic stuff. Uh, it's cool, though. I really I really dig it. And uh, this track is called She's Like the Wind, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, Hugh Hefner with the 26. And then in the $25 club, there's Clint Dowling. 
and Honeybeard. We just heard from them earlier. And uh, Tim Carlton. You guys are all awesome. So let's listen to this track here. This is Nebutron Jones with She's Like the Wind.
And that was She's Like the Wind by Nebutron Jones. And uh, that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club, Mr. Johnny Five, Emilio Estevez. I almost fucking said it wrong there. Kempson and Martin Larby. Hey, I got a, finally got a chance to meet Martin Larby, but we didn't spend enough time together because my mind was all over the place. There were so many people who came to Toronto for Outland. It was absurd. I think we went out for dinner one night and Martin was there and we chatted for a bit, but then like Time Cop was there and I hadn't uh, met him in person yet and Calix and there's just so many people like every day and uh, it was uh, it was a crazy time, but we had a good little chat, I think. I think it was all right. Anyway, look, how about I uh, dial this phone here and we uh, talk to somebody else? Hello? Well, hey, is this Ogre? <laughs> it sure is. Is this Mr. Andy Lass? It is. <laughs> I like this whole, like, uh, phone call bit I'm doing. So look, man, I, uh, I'm here now with uh, Robin Ogden, a.k.a. the O-G-R-E. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> I've been pretty easy about that the last uh, seven years, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. How's it going? It's going good, dude. It's always nice to chat with you, obviously, because you are the um, the lovely artist who produced the best song, Sure Thing. <laughs> well, it's very kind of you to say so. You know, I was literally just thinking, it's nearly six years. It's a week away from six years since you and I first spoke. Which is kind of wild. Do you have, like, do you still have that email? Yeah, man, yeah, I checked just, like, before we called, so... Wait, what does it say? Because I probably messaged you with my old email address, which I don't have anymore. I can't actually remember, I just looked at the date, I didn't, like, open the email, but I'll, uh, I can forward it to you. <laughs> yeah, forward it to me, man, I want to read it. Right now? Yeah. Alright, cool, hang on a sec. Like, I don't remember what I said to you, and hopefully it wasn't embarrassing. <laughs> it turns out I just sent you a picture of my dick. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's done. I think it's come through. Isn't it amazing? I just think about my past and the idea of like pen pals and sending emails or sending mail <laughs> to people and waiting months. And now like I'm annoyed that the email you just sent me isn't quite here yet. Oh, it's probably my like super slow internet just taking its time or something, but it's pretty wild. Oh, here we are. Okay. Let me read this. <laughs> so this is the email I wrote to you. I have not, I have not seen this since I sent this. So I sent this to you... Six years ago. June 2013. Yeah. Hey there, my name is Andy Last, in brackets, Andy Last on Twitter. I'm currently in the stages of producing a podcast devoted to synthwave slash retro slash electronic music. I've been so excited by all the artists I've recently found, including yourself, and I want to find another way to share this music and hopefully get some attention for the artists. My plan is to make a weekly 30-minute show. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> okay. 30 minutes. Where I would talk about what was on my mind and play four to five tracks. Hopefully, if people actually listen to it. My aim is to also feature interviews and profile various artists in the community. Anyway, I'm writing you this letter to see if you're cool with me playing some of your songs on the show. It's a very specific podcast, but I don't know if many other podcasts devoted to this sound. I would only be playing music of new and upcoming artists. Basically, the community on Bandcamp.com and SoundCloud. So that's it. I would like to get a few artists to give me the okay before I start recording anything. During that time, I'll figure out a name for the show and get a website going. If you have any questions or suggestions, please email me back. Thanks. Andy. 
So that's interesting. So I guess my original plan for the show was to make it a 30-minute weekly podcast. So that uh, went off the rails. But you kind of stuck pretty close to the original intent. Like, the purity of the idea is, like, still there, you know? I guess so. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm a very I'm a very pure guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chaste. Chaste. Devout. Yeah. <laughs> All these other words <laughs> not quite sure the meaning of. Well, that's cool that you found that, man, because um, it's awesome to me that, you know, using... Your song, Sure Thing, is the theme song for the show, because that was, like, the first one where I, where I got so excited when I listened to Calico Braun. Yeah. And it's and it still does get me, because even, like, the, you know, the sound palette you use in Sure Thing is, all like, you know, it's all over that album. Yeah, it is. And so for people, if they haven't uh, listened to it, they should, because if they listen to Sure Thing, I think that's cool. Like, there's other songs that are using the same palette and stuff and so it's it's pretty cool you're very kind you're very kind and i got very <laughs> excited and i wrote you that big long email so that's fun it was a pretty great email to get i don't think at that point like anyone wanted to talk to me about this music you know about synthwave or synths or like you've done a pretty amazing thing i feel like i should be interviewing you for episode 200 <laughs> like What's it what's it like having done 200 episodes of a synthwave podcast, you know, like you're giving like Doctor Who like a run for their money in terms of like episode count surely. Like that's pretty, that's an amazing feat. Like what what's it feel like? I was excited when I made 10 episodes of this show. Yeah. I remember I think in episode 10 I point that out. Yeah. Like I was so excited like I've never made 10 of anything before cuz before that point I made this little web series called Alien Crisis that had 8 episodes and I remember like oh I made 8 things. Hmm. Alien Crisis all 8 episodes ends up being like 32 minutes long or something. Yeah. So it's weird because I never thought cuz I am a really disorganized guy like that's true. And I'm often frazzled all the time, but I've somehow managed to do it and managed to do like this organization, which is which is pretty crazy. Even for this episode, you know, where I'm I'm recording like so many conversations a day. Yeah. And they all have to be timed because I'm like, okay, so now I'm talking to this guy in L.A., which is three hours behind (laughs) me, which means I can talk to them from you know 12 p.m. onwards if they wake up in the morning and then in the morning I'm like all right I'm talking to guys uh, in Europe trying to time that out and trying to reach out to people that I haven't spoken to since the first season because I thought that would be fun you know just to 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 see like some people who don't make music anymore even and see where they've been at and stuff so but I don't know it's weird I don't even at this point it's like just what I do yeah so I don't think about it because all I'm thinking about is like the next episode you know at at this moment in time yeah yeah of course when we're recording I technically we're recording before you know like episode 198 has been finished editing and so like even on my mind as we're recording this i'm like all right so when am i going to get time to edit that episode and and outland in toronto is coming up and i'm trying to prep for that and so i'm just in the right in the in the eye of the tornado is that the eye it's the eye right the eye of the storm yeah yeah i had a storm we don't have tornadoes and hurricanes over here but yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i think that's right I'm not up on my storm terminology, so... Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's amazing. 200 episodes, like, and six years of a consistent show. It's like, you've kind of become the hub for Synthwave, I think, and this whole retro-electronic genre movement, whatever. You've endured where others have, like... But I think that's the reason. In a weird way, I think it's just a testament to the fact that I still make it, because... 
I am essentially a weird guy and I'm producing a weird show because when you think about Synthwave, there's other people who sort of pop up and will do a program, but they, um, I mean, there is a few right now that happen and I'll like, I'll listen to them and see like what they sound like. But a lot of times people like try and be cool, you know, right. because it's like, because it's like Synthwave and, and to me, I was never about being cool. And to be honest, it was always about really getting to know the people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what sort of sets it apart, but also makes it weird because it's like, it's weird that Beyond Synth is like the longest running Synthwave show because at its heart, it's yeah. sort of like kind of about me <laughs> a lot of the time, you know, <laughs> and it's weird. So it's weird because like, obviously I do profile all these artists, but I end up talking a lot Yeah, and I um, am silly, you know, so it's weird that like, here's this music show where like half the time when people are telling me their favorite bits it's stuff that has nothing to do with music right it's oh yeah yeah it's all just like remember when you guys were like laughing about this and talking about that and it's music related insofar as i'm talking to a musician yeah and so it's funny to me that this scene which is predicated on all this sort of quote-unquote like cool imagery (laughs) that the longest running show would be this silly quirky kind of program i then i think this is one of the things that's worked best is like it is about personality and like it's about the people making the music and it's about it's about your personality as a host and stuff as well and i think that like that's what's so great about it and it is weird music like synthesizing stuff are going through like a cool revival for the past few years or whatever but like essentially it's fucking nerdy like you've heard like dallas and i talk about like i don't know the chips and fucking synth filters and stuff like that (laughs) like it's like as niche and weird as it's as you can get i guess with a genre of music especially with producers and stuff i don't know i think it works i think it's a format that works and i think how you have put the show together is like i don't know i think the fact that we're on you're on episode 200 is like testament to how well do you know what i mean like the angle that you're taking with it that's the reason why i never did the cool guy route because right (laughs) at, at the heart of it it's this scene that is sort of full of nerds yeah of course and and i'm a nerd you've got to be nerdy yeah we're all nerds (laughs) I want to keep talking, but let's listen to a track. I'm just going to pull a random one out here. How about, because we're talking about Calico Braun, I don't think I've ever played this track on the show. This is New Vices by Ogre.
And that was New Vices by Ogre from the album Calico Braun. And I'm here with Ogre right now. Hey. Robin. Hey. The 200th episode of Beyond Synth. So this episode, unlike any show I've ever done in the past, has a theme. I'm using this as an opportunity to reflect Hmm. and see how, you know, Synthwave... The scene has changed, and even my perspective on on the scene and the genre, because right. I've used the term synthwave, I've, I've said this a lot on the show, as a blanket term to describe so many different genres. Yeah, it's a huge catch-all umbrella at this point, like it has to be, right? i got to stop referring to it as a genre, because it isn't one. It's like, synthwave is the scene. Right. For me, I've always used the palette of sounds right. as... The description. So it's like to me, if you're using retro synth patches and making, you know, this sort of music, then I'm like, well, that's synthwave because it's like using retro uh, gear and retro sounds, even though the structure of the songs might not necessarily be like there is synthwave the genre, which is a very specific type of music, right? Which is like Celerect LA Dreams, or like I always use him as an example. I mean, it's like that's synthwave, you know, it's like 80s sounding, it's got those like arpeggios, it's got the bass lines, it's got the, these things that sort of. But then when I use the term synthwave, I don't necessarily use it to describe just that. I use it for all these things. And, and and at that point, it's not a genre at that point. If literally I'm talking about saying, oh, it's synthwave, you know, it's like it's like this dark electronic stuff that could be used to like score, a, you know, a, a science fiction movie. And then it's also this synth pop, you know, it's also this horror soundtrack, right? It's it's also this AOR music with fucking guitar, like like anthem rock, you know, like there's all these things that like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> It's such a spectrum. <laughs> Genre is a weird thing because as humans, we love putting things into boxes to just to organize things, I guess, and how how we organize our thoughts about them. But yeah, synthwave is a. I guess it's evolved and changed, and lots of people have brought different things out. For me, it was always like I don't know, one foot in the past, one foot in the present or future, or misremembered past or misremembered future, and trying to do something new is always kind of like. Weirdly postmodern or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 so hard to talk about though, isn't it? It's so hard to try and define what it is because it's so many things. For I, I think I agree with you largely on like sound palette, and I think that's probably where I'd kind of come at it from. Like the sounds people are using, where they're taking their inspiration from in like the late seventies through eighties, sort of. You know, Cause I always think of the eighties as a long decade as well because it kind of starts in like seventy eight and ends in like ninety two or something yeah. <laughs> like in terms of sounds. So yeah, like to say like it stops at nineteen eighty and it ends at midnight, uh, like or like eleven fifty nine on in yeah thirty <laughs> first know, of December nineteen eighty nine. Anything beyond that isn't. So I, d- I don't know. It's about an aesthetic, and I've, I don't have like a fully formed opinion of it. Still, it just I just keep changing, and even the aesthetic isn't quite consistent either. Because you could say like, what's the synthwave aesthetic? Well, it's Blade runner and it's miami vice and it's like well yeah those two things those two aren't things the same so right? far apart <laughs> yeah it's hard to pin down as a, as a genre because it's it's so disparate like there's just so many things going all over the place and now there's all these like triangles and stuff like i don't know where that's from yeah th- there was that meme a couple of years ago when all of a sudden everyone was putting like triangles on grids and stuff and i was like where the hell did this come from yeah. like <laughs> it just kind of just popped up i don't know it's, it's interesting it's interesting like how it's it's like a cultural movement almost it's not even like a 
you know how like so many musical scenes and stuff have some sort of geographical basis you know like i don't know like grunge rock you know where they'll be like oh that's seattle oh, yeah, grunge yeah, exactly, being yeah. seattle and yeah yeah like so many things having like this really specific geographical locus and then like we just there was groups on facebook obviously like synthetics and stuff where like that it spawned there but like I don't know, it's kind of interesting now, but it's kind of like this, it's grown into this cultural phenomenon. So I wonder then if like uh, Synthetics FM was our uh, Seattle. Yeah, I think it was. I genuinely think it was. I think what Rick Shithouse started and stuff. That was a that was like yeah, synthwave ground zero kind of thing. <laughs> in it, I think for a lot of people anyway, because I imagine a lot of people coming to this music now would wouldn't even know about it, or like even before that, like you know, this is getting a bit historiographical or something. But like <laughs> all the smaller blogs and stuff that were hovering around, and like the Valerie Collective and stuff. I don't know what it would be like to try and chart like this detailed timeline or where it would start. I don't know. Well, how about this? Let's listen to a song and then we'll uh continue this i want to listen to <laughs> i want to listen to don't call me hero from uh, 195 so uh let's fucking do it up
And that was Don't Call Me Hero by Ogre from the album 195. But I'm here with Ogre right now. Robin. Yeah. What was I going to say? All right. So sometimes you'll see people pop up and they'll try and write articles about what Synthwave is or where it came from. And everyone always argues with them. And my question is, Synthwave as it exists, as a scene, Mm. in my personal opinion, will be... Roughly around the time when it was, like, given a name. Right. So even though it might take its inspiration from previous acts or or whatever, Mm. does that technically count as the beginning of the synthwave scene if that stuff wasn't synth... Do you know what I mean? Like, so there's there's synthwave... Until someone had categorized it. Right. So, like, when you're writing and coming out with, with Calico Braun... Yeah unaware of these other artists because they hadn't really connected yet. It just happened that there's people all over the place like, you know, Perturbators doing stuff over here and Laserhawk and and Miami Knights are doing stuff over here. Yeah. And then when I talk to people now, they'll say like, oh, well, we were inspired by the Valerie Collective. And then I talked to like uh, Maytelvin a few episodes ago and he's saying like, well, and then we were inspired by Lifelike. Right. You know, like there's always, there's always some artists that came before that was doing some kind of retro inspired stuff. And so in the example I use with the Valerie Collective, I'm like, they didn't call themselves Synthwave. Like they were saying they were making, they were making disco, they were making house and, you know, electronic music. Like it it didn't have the name Synthwave. Right. So the question is about the, when you talk about the origin of a thing, to me, it's like Synthwave is sort of like 2012, you know, like that's kind of where it starts because that's when the word starts being used. I think it's 2012. Yeah, I'd say 2011, 2012, probably. I think. There's two people, for me, like, personally, again, like, historians can correct me, <laughs> but, like, I'm pretty sure Com Trues called what he was doing Synthwave, and then also, I think, Project Friday's uh, St- Steve Gilson, he says he used Synthwave as well quite early on, so, like, that's where I think it comes from, but I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna talk to him, too, because I know I, there's, like, these conflicting stories about where it comes from, because like, I think Steve says he came up with it, although I need to confirm that with him. Right. Also, Google Comtruse's things. I know there's an interview from around 2011 where he says he makes, like, slow funk VHS Synthwave or something, and I was, that's, like, that was, I think, where I first came to it. Okay. As a name. But, yeah, it's interesting talking about, like, proto-artists and stuff, because it struck me the other day, I'd forgotten about, um, do you know um, danger or danger from France. <laughs> <laughs> I assume it's danger, but like when I was at uni, I'd f- totally forgotten. But like my housemate kept playing his stuff, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this sounds like an Arnold Schwarzenegger soundtrack or something." Mm-hmm. I think I must have absorbed like some of that then, and then like forgotten about it for a couple of years, and then like a couple of years later, when I was doing One Nine Four or whatever, and was into heavily into like Blade Runner and all of these kind of things. Like, I wonder whether do the, the, these like sleeper bits of musical DNA that you've kind of picked up and then that informs you on some level like consciously or unconsciously or something because he's he's a guy that like it just kind of just popped into my head the other day I was like oh yeah he made like kind of it was a very French touch kind of electro housey but it had like that retro touches to it or something yeah 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 for me it's always that question of how far back do you reach if if those things weren't considered if they weren't calling themselves synthwave, although maybe they were kind of making it, does that count? Because to me, like, the scene itself is sort of the thing that built around synthetics. Yeah, same. It's, I'd agree with, I would agree with you. I think it's interesting because you keep, you'll keep reaching back, right? If you're trying to, like, look for the source and you just hit the 1980s. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> so, like, or, like, 80s artists who kept going. I don't know. It's um, 2011, 2012. That's probably, for me, 
when this thing started. How do you think, like, you've changed since I first spoke to you? As, as a person or musically? <laughs> uh, both. <laughs> both. I don't know. I, last year was a weird year for me because I nearly died, which was heavy shit, to mm. be honest. Like, that was a weird wake-up call for me personally because I was like, crap, you know, uh, nothing's more important than health all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> You're just like all it's, of a it's, sudden, it sounds so like yeah. it sounds like so cliche. Because before that, I'm just like working, working, working mm. all the time on music, and I'm so lucky to be able to write music professionally and you know make a living from it. But it was a fucking wake up call, man. Like, so I uh, just to be clear, I, I don't think I've spoken to you since then. So you were in hospital for some stuff, right? You had uh, yeah, yeah. I had um, well, gallbladder disease was what I had for six months last year. Which was pretty horrible. I was on the road to organ failure in last May, and then basically had like gallstones that blocked everything up. It's it's grisly. We won't get into it, but yeah, it was a wake up call. <laughs> so like, it's been an interesting year. Like, I've kind of been focusing on what I want to do musically and chasing musical bliss. I guess I don't know, getting stuck into what I'm into, like whether that's making weird tape loops or uh, you know fiddling around on modular synths. And you've got to do what interests you and mm. what makes you happy. I think that's like the bottom line musically though I, I don't know i was thinking about this it's funny that you asked like how i think i've changed so i'm working on 196 at the moment this is this also comes out of a hospital thing i was like shit i have so much finished and slightly nearly finished music on my hard drive and i was like if i die now yeah. <laughs> like none of this is gonna see me. i said to Faye, I, like my partner when i was in hospital i was like if i die here's my computer password send it all to dallas campbell and just ask him to finish it or release it or something <laughs> you know so but yeah i was listening to 196 and i was like there's actually the sound design changes but like there's so little difference between my choice of notes on different albums if that makes sense there's like something about how i pick notes and what notes i pick and how i write songs but if you change the sound the palette is like the only thing that really evolves between albums in a weird way it mm. sounds stupid and weird but like analyzing it like from a musical theory point of view and i was like basically like i have like a some sort of fingerprint there's some connective dna between all of the different releases i've done on some level and the sounds change and i use different things on each album but and try to capture different vibes i guess but i don't know it's weird it's like it's changed a lot but also like it's still the more <laughs> things change the more they stay the same or something i don't know don't know if that's a cop-out answer yeah, or yeah. something but <laughs> <laughs> well look i want to listen to another song but i i'm glad you are alive oh me too <laughs> i don't know if that's like a nice sentiment said in a strange way but it's the truth because uh I, I appreciate you being around man but i want i want to listen yeah. to more music here i'm not good at sentimental stuff <laughs> here's a track uh this is uh end credits from 194 by ogre
And that was Ogre with the track End Credits from the album 194. I just picked a random selection here from your oeuvre. <laughs> Didn't you just do like a, you just did like a Dungeons and Dragons soundtrack or something? I did something really nerdy. For a campaign. Yeah, yeah. It was last year. It was before I was ill. I was playing a D&D game with my friends and I just started writing music for the campaign because we're all nerds here. And I don't know, kind of got really into it. And I wrote like, three hours worth of crap and I was like oh this is pretty good then I got ill and I was like man like no one's heard this we didn't finish that campaign and I was like I might as well put it out like I quite like the music it's like super lo-fi I was just gonna play it off my boombox just put it all on tape and just play it as we played uh, various parts of this game but mm. I was like people should like someone else might dig this and like weirdly it went down really well which is kind of it was very surprising for me because it's completely different to my normal stuff but like people were really kind of into it which like surpri- really surprising I'm glad but like <laughs> you know because we talked about doing a and d episode right yeah we did of uh, Beyond Sense but we never got around to doing it because I remember you sent me the rule book and shit like there's a PDF there um, Oh yeah, it was for Faye. Faye made like that Space Friends Vortex Masters. It was going to be like a sci-fi game. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. We could maybe we could still do it. Well, one of these days we should do like a demo because I was when I was listening to your D and D album, I thought how funny would it be to like you know uh, for the fight music like there's music that's clearly for like battle. Yeah, <laughs> get that on a loop. So play this music at the actual times, like as a soundtrack, as if it's like a little scene. And so whenever it's like a battle moment, then all of a sudden, like the battle music comes in in the background. Man, I'd be down for it. It would just be hilarious because as I was listening to the battle music, this is perfect, man. If this thing was just on a loop, I mean, (laughs) on your album, it's like a two minute track or whatever, but it'd be funny to like make it like a, you know, it'd be amazing. I'm just thinking about this now is to make all the tracks loopable. Right. And then be able to trigger them because I bought one of those little keyboards or like you have like a little MIDI uh, sequence or whatever. And so like, you know, when you press button one and hold it down. So the dungeon master, like when he uh, sets up the scene or whatever and like, okay, you two are fighting and then he can like just put his finger on like the fucking battle music. Yeah. And as long as he holds it down, like that's what plays until people are done rolling. Like if he's so... (laughs) (laughs) I'd be pretty great playing with like a soundboard or a sampler or something. Yeah. That'd That'd be be fucking hilarious, man. Fucking, uh, I mean, in my head, I imagined that whatever we recorded, I would, I would take and edit. Yeah. Because the, the idea was I want, I know there's other podcasts that do it and I've never listened to them. And so I don't know Hmm. how they do it. In my head, I wanted it to basically sound like a radio play. Right. Yeah. So I wouldn't keep in the rolling of the dice. That's, that's a fun bit though. When people mess it up. And then the outcome, like, doesn't go the way they want it. Right, but, but, know, but the yeah. thing is, like, you you get the reaction of them doing it anyways, right? So it's just like... Right, so, yeah. So yeah. they can sort of narrate, like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. And then, you, you know, the dice rolls, and then they miss, and so there'd be a sound effect to establish that, like, they didn't hit the guy or whatever, or the thing fucked up. Right, Instead right. of going like, ah, oh, fuck, I rolled a six, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. But maybe that's impossible, because I've never actually done it. So I've never really played a game of D&D, so I don't know, like, if I played it, would suddenly realize oh i see my plan won't work like i'd I'd need to experience it to find out i guess it depends on type of game you're gonna play but yeah it could work it could work yeah maybe we should do it man i know dallas is really was really up for like a DD game as well at some point he's into all that stuff like i am so well we are a uh, community of nerds yeah it's just like reinforcing that point there (laughs) yeah (laughs) at the end of our conversation ended how we started just like (laughs) oh well you know man it's all good but look dude yeah dude Listen, thanks for being a cool guy. Thanks for being the uh, first ever guest on Beyond Synth. 
Well, thank you for having me as always, and happy 200th episode. It's amazing, man. Yeah, thanks for thanks for replying to this dumb email I wrote. <laughs> now that I'm looking at this now. Uh, this is part of the genesis of what fucking started this whole thing. Because when I met. Um, Mike, mm. uh, who introduced me to synthetics or whatever, I only introduced myself once I had this episode edited, right? Right. Yeah. So that so that I had something to play people. So once this thing was created, the episode with you, that's the one that I sort of like sent to. I sent the link to people and said, "Hey, I, I'm doing a show. This is kind of what the show is." Yeah. And then I would play it as an example. So you are an important part of the genesis. Had you turned out to be a prick, <laughs> and I was recording, and then and then it w- didn't go well, and I go, oh shit, this is gonna be this isn't gonna be good. Like if everyone's an asshole, but you know, like we got yeah. along. We talked about Blade Runner and Transformers, and I and then it, it made me go, hey, like there's other people out there with the same same interests, interests and cultural touchstones and stuff like this. And so that was really important. And of course, uh, the theme song to this day, best songs ever. Sure thing. I mean, I feel bad in a way because it's like, you wrote this amazing song, and I think a lot of people, when they listen to it now, they just associate it as like it's the Beyonce theme song, but I mean, like it's a lovely song in its own right. It's a great association to have, so thank you. Thanks for all that you've done for like us, and you've kept this whole thing going, which is amazing. Like like I said earlier, like you I don't know what the word is, blazing the trails or something like that, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, let's just say I invented the podcast. Yeah. They all started with me, Ricky Gervais got the idea and went back in time. (laughs) But look, man, it's always uh, lovely to talk to you, and I'm happy you are well. You are well, right? Oh, yeah, I'm good now. Yeah, I'm all good. Back to full health. Well, look. Yeah. You have a lovely day, and it's always lovely to talk to you. You too, dude. And keep on making cool music, and I look forward to hearing this fucking Deathbed 196. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll send it over. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Take care, dude. You too, man. Take care. All right, and that was uh, Ogre. Always awesome to chat with him. That was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club, Mr. Gregorio Franco. And I got I was privy to a little collaboration he's doing with a certain someone. I don't want to spoil it, but it's really cool, and I look forward to playing that on the show. And Mr. Blake Peterson, you guys are awesome. So how about this? Let's listen to another track, and then maybe I'll uh, make another phone call. I want to play some Astral Stereo Project. I'll say this. All week last week, I was I was I'm trying now to finally organize my synthwave folder, and I'm Starting simply, instead of getting too meticulous right away, I'm basically just going vocal tracks, instrumental tracks, regardless of tone or mood. That's my first order of business. And so I'm starting at A, (laughs) and I'm going through, I'm sorting things out, I'm getting rid of songs I don't like, I'm keeping just all the great ones. And uh, I'm going to say this, man, I think Astral Stereo Project is underrated. I think he writes great fucking songs, okay? Because I was listening to a lot of it. And I was reminded of all the songs that I love of Astral Stereo Project. And he was on the show. Uh, You can go back in time uh, in the Beyond Synth catalog and listen to when he was on the show. But, you know, since there's so much music and I always get distracted, I didn't even realize he put out another album in December. And so I just just finally listened to it. I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't even know this happened because there's so much music out there. And, uh, of course, it's great because uh, he writes awesome music. It's called Rediscovery is the album. So we're going to listen to a cool track called Lightning in the Attic. And uh, it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. 
Well, there's Rachel Buchelman with a 1985 and Murat with a 1984 and Jimby with the 17. You're a cool guy. You're all cool people. Some of you are ladies, so some of you are cool guys, some of you are cool gals, but either way, it's very uh, cool that you guys support the show. And now let us listen to Lightning in the Attic by the Astral Stereo Project.
And that was the Astral Stereo Project from the album Rediscovery. That was Lightning in the Attic. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Uh, in the $15 Club, there's Hampus ML and Ken Giroux. And then uh, there's Chatterack, Mads Baron Christensen, Prophet of Jupiter, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Lyalane. So look, how about... We make one more call for this episode. It's a pretty long episode, and uh, we'll talk to we'll talk to somebody here. So let's uh, dial that phone. Hello. Well, hey, is this is this? <laughs> no, that's 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 the premise of this. I'm phoning okay, you on let the me, phone. Let me Sorry, I said it really cheesy. Hello. You know, I'm keeping all of this in, right? Of course you are. This is my, my favorite thing is the instruction is to say hello. <laughs> That's twenty minutes gone with me. You know it is. Well, hey, is this is this sunglasses kid? Why, yes, it is. Well, hello, Edward. Hello. How are you doing? How are you? How, how's it going? It's good, man. We haven't talked in a while. We haven't. We now just do these small um, periodic updates. I, I enjoy talking to you. You too. Mm, that took a little too long. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> So look, man, here's what's going on today. This is yep. the Beyond Synth 200th episode. Amazing. So what I'm doing is I'm looking back sort of at the early years of the show and talking to the people who I talked to like in the early days. And obviously you were one of the very first guests in season one. God, was I? Okay. Yeah, it's been a long fucking time. How long has it been? What, when? How, how long ago is this? 2013. Um... August. Oh, was that when you first did the first Beyond Synth? Yeah. Wow. Technically speaking, really? I recorded the first episode with Robin, but I ed- I took me months to edit to try and figure out what I was making, and then August was when I released the first one. Good God. Almost six, yeah, six years, isn't mm. it? God, this is a depressing podcast, Andy. <laughs> No, it's a celebration. So I was in I, my early 30s when we yeah, yeah. first chatted. <laughs> God. What I find the funniest now, since it takes me so long to edit the, the real Beyond Synth, like the, the talk show thing I put on YouTube, yeah. that I film them and then it takes me like a year to edit them. And the joke <laughs> is that I'm pretending that they take place in the same week of programming. So every time I release a new one, we talk about the last one like it was last night. The last time we filmed was in like June of last year and I still have like two more episodes to edit that we filmed. It, re- it really really takes you a year you're not you're not you're yeah, not no, it takes a long time and and uh, my hairline is literally different than <laughs> so when we when we get to next week in quotes on beyond since my hairline is like in a different place oh it's brilliant oh it's ridiculous mind, mind you as the years go on as your hairline recedes technology is evolving and there'll be some sort of like snapchat filter you could do to just cover it well besides well you guys there is already the filters you can do that now yeah you can but it'll get better it'll yeah get better. i've been watching lots of videos of people uh getting the hair transplants where they do the fucking they stab them with the needles and they pull the follicles out and then like shove them in the front of their head oh my favorite thing on hair videos on youtube is watching those like asian barbers like setting fires to people's hair have you seen that (laughs) (laughs) it's like a trend for like asian barbers where they're like 
put something through their hair. It's like those kind of hipster kind of Elvisy back combs, and then they set their hair on fire and quickly like brush it through, and then welcome to the entire subgenre of that going wrong. <laughs> what the fuck? No, I don't. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's off to YouTube. Once you start going down the rabbit hole of experimental barbers, you you realize you've been watching someone have their hair cut with an axe for like the last thing <laughs> that actually exists well that's oh, that's a lot better rabbit hole than the ones I end up in fuck like man I got into a conversation with um, the singer Jaffe Sarchi I was at his music studios till four in the morning and we got into this conversation about rabbit holes on YouTube and I ended up saying the last rabbit hole I went down I found I'd been watching for 20 minutes people firing machine guns until the barrels melt <laughs> <laughs> See, my favorite thing was I got caught in this whole thing about people pouring molten metal on stuff. Oh, yeah, that's great. And um, uh, restoration videos. There's this particular oh, channel I, where I this... Can't. So addicted to the restoration videos. They're so good. Like, the My Mechanics guy is the best, but with using all the machines he has, like, he's the one where, like, he'll take out a screw and be like, oh, looks like this screw's no good. Have to make one myself. And then he'll, like take a bar of metal and like through the machines recreate the bolt and it's exactly the same except new and i've seen him make like these incredibly customized pieces of metal that you look at it and go like how the fuck could you make that out of like yeah. a metal cube and he fucking does it and he's like he's so good and he sandblasts everything there's really satisfying ones where they'll like they'll remove the the rust using electrolysis so they'll put it in like a bucket of water with like with like batteries and somehow it like pulls the rust out i don't find that as satisfying though cuz when you when you see it sandblasted it's like it literally you see rust and it's like they're painting the rust away with silver mm. because like this like the rust just like flies away with the sandblaster. It is it is weird what like is so like satisfying to watch on YouTube. Essentially that like it's like either things being kind of cleaned up or things being destroyed because it's another one where there's guys <laughs> who just drop a massive thing from this water tower onto another thing and that's their channel so they like drop like <laughs> they, they they literally like they're like drop a bowling ball onto a trampoline it's this one water tower that they found out in somewhere in in australia i think and it's like 300 feet tall or something and they just climb up there and they drop a thing onto another thing and they've got millions of subscribers and they they're like let's break this safe with this massive yeah. piece of shit i don't know whatever they chuck anyway, yeah that's fun <laughs> that, that's the one i want to watch <laughs> let's break the safe with a big piece of shit yeah well look how about yeah, this so we can cut all, we can cut all of this out we'll uh let's listen to uh let's listen to a track and then we'll we'll keep talking mm-hmm. and this is the one we're gonna listen to right now man we're listening to can't hide by sunglasses kid
And that was Sunglasses Kid with the track Can't Hide. And I'm here with Sunglasses Kid right now, Edward, on this lovely 200th Beyond Synth. So here's my thought, all right? Mm -hmm. When I talk about Synthwave to people, I always find it very difficult because... I'm one of those lazy people that uses synthwave as a blanket term to describe so many different things. Yeah. I used to be against subgenres, and now I think I'm not. And now I've finally come to this realization that the reason why I always had so much difficulty explaining synthwave is because it's not a genre. Oh, wow. You went there. You went to the genre discussion. I think it is a genre that has a defined sound. And then I think anyone who has listened to enough synthwave, when you hear it, you rec- you know it. It's that arpeggiating bass that side chain compression says so that and then there's all this other music that halos around it that's made with an 80s palette so you've got people like me and highway superstar and phaserland and jay diggs making kind of like funk influenced 80s music and then you've got people making soundtrack influenced 80s like horror soundtracks and all that genre and then you've got everything in between. You've got indie pop and more commercial type types of music and things like that. The synthwave scene, that, that thing you're talking about, is kind of people who are passionate about the 80s are keen to sort of bring anyone making 80s sounding music into the fold. So as long as it sounds 80s, come, come on in and come and be part of like an online community. But at the core is this sort of defined synthwave genre and I, I've always said this that synthwave is a genre that most artists when they're producers like say dubstep producers or whatever the genre is that your kids make today grime whatever they don't sit there and just start making a sound and have no idea what they're making and then someone goes oi mate you're making grime and they go am I whereas synthwave is exactly that synthwave is a genre that finds you you don't well it was when we were doing it in 2013 14 15 Nobody knew what they were making. Nobody had decided they were making Synthwave. Whereas now in 2019, you've got a genera- second and third generations of musicians coming up who've heard the kind of sound is now bedded in and they're saying, I'm going to be a Synthwave artist. But in the early days, it wasn't like that at all. No one knew what they were doing. Sometimes you have to go, you know, the way language changes and the way words evolve and things like this. And I think that Synthwave has, mm. whether or not it started or it did start specifically as a certain thing. And then now it gets to the point where people use the hashtag Synthwave for everything. I mean, if you if you follow Synthwave on Instagram, you will see a lot of mm. not Synthwave. Yeah. Which is what I always see. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm watching this like video and it's like a 30 second looping clip of scenes from The Simpsons. But like it's filmed underwater and it says like hashtag Synthwave. I'm like... <laughs> What the f- Like, how is this- What? Like, this mind, is- mind, you, mind you, if you start judging the validity of a word based on what results you get from clicking on a hashtag, you, yeah. you probably <laughs> find a lot of-, lot of sk- I could put any, any, hashtag, any hashtag any word that's an established word in the world and find a load of random bollocks attached to it on Instagram, so I don't know if that's the, the entirely the best yardstick to- No, uh, that's definitely true, but if you, if you take into account all the artists who consider themselves synthwave artists or within the synthwave scene, there is all these broad subgenres like the ones you discussed and these people would happily yeah, say and I like think, I think also there's there's a thing of as, as the genre progresses and as time goes by like I said you've got like these second and third and fourth generation artists and especially like younger artists as well who've got all these 
new references to draw on when they're making music so they're no longer drawing when we were making it in 2012 we would maybe some of us are influenced by the Valerie Collective and people like that like Kavinsky but we were drawing on and I still continue to draw on the original 80s sound there wasn't many other artists around like Mitch Murder and Future Cop and College and people like that but there wasn't this insane wealth of like music out there to kind of listen to and take from whereas now you've got third fourth generation people who are listening to you know artists that have come before and so what you've got is a kind of photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy effect of like if you listen to synthwave and you didn't know anything about 80s music and someone said oh synthwave is 80s you would be looking at the kind of copy of the source it's the difference between when michael mann made the film heat he went and spoke to the police and did research and when some kid makes some shit cop film, they just watch Heat. Yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't meant to be a diss, by the way, to any like new generation artists. But I'm saying as we progress, we're going to get further and further away from the source sound unless every new generation producer commits to going back to the the source but that may that the actuators music may not be what inspires them it might be this it might be new synthwave they may have no understanding of, of 80s music at all so well, like in actual filmmaker terms i'd say like christopher nolan would be a good example of that whereas like a lot of the, the as a guy he makes cool movies but they're very inspired by like cinema itself you know like you watch well yeah you, you're presumably you're talking about nolan because i've mentioned heat yes so people who think think people who think the opening of dark the dark night is this incredible like like cool like opening anyone who knows heat knows that the dark knight is ripping off heat yeah and even the music as well like yeah and the music is hans zimmer ripping off brian eno yeah and also interstellar okay this is christopher nolan's 2001 yeah <laughs> but i yeah no i get your point and that is true and well how about well how about this let's listen to another song and then we'll, <laughs> we'll go a little deeper into this but um this is a nice one called night swim nice nice <laughs> this is a nice one uh this is the one you did with uh my own right for the uh friday the 13th that's right game so let's listen to this man this is night swim
that was Night Swim by Sunglasses Kid and my Roan, and I'm here with Sunglasses Kid right now. Hello. On the 200th episode of Beyond Synth. Now, literally, I said that we'd listen to his song, and then I'd continue what we were saying, and I just forgot what we were talking about. We were talking about genres, and we'd just been talking about like movie references, and the uh, the Nolan's 2001 was Interstellar, and and we were talking about copies of copies and influences. Oh, right, and okay, yeah, that's what, right. So, what, is, what is synthwave? And okay, so so you were there from the, the the early years of like the whatever. I don't even know really what to call our like. There's the people who who came in because of the movie Drive. Yeah, and I was talking to May Telvin about this. Okay, so then there's the Valerie Collective stuff that happened before, and some people were inspired by that stuff and that was before Drive or like right around when Drive came out that people would be like oh they like the Valerie Collective stuff and then there's some people earlier that get inspired by artists like Lifelike from what I remember and this is honestly how I how I kind of got into it was that I've always made music or I'd been making music for since the year 1999 or something and I remember the film Drive coming out and I I really vividly remember the Kavinsky track in the opening and thinking that was quite a cool sound but then I forgot all about it and a mate of mine who was obsessed with the movie kept saying oh I, I was writing film music and he said oh the stuff you do you should check out Kavinsky you should really listen to him it's really cool and then I think SoundCloud was really new and the moment I, I found Kavinsky I went on this rabbit hole of finding other artists related artists and Future Cop was my entry in because Future Cop would do these mixtapes they were aggregating loads of different artists and they exposed me to loads of people like Anorak I seem to remember was, was another artist and there was a kind of disco sound as well going on and Mitch Murder was probably I probably found Mitch Murder through Future Cop and Mitch Murder was who inspired me to do something that was a bit more light hearted and more fun and the Kavinsky stuff I saw of felt was a bit too dark and kind of serious for me and so it was Mitch Murder that I went yeah this guy gives me permission to kind of pursue a more light-hearted fun sound yeah I think Kavinsky Nightcall can be kind of pinpointed as like the origin of that more kind of dark brooding aggressive soundtracky sound and from there people experimented with it and it evolved and and kind of grew out of that and I know everyone will hate hate me for mentioning Kavinsky, but I, I think on, honestly that's what I see as like the I think the Valerie Collective and all all of that is is part of it. But that that specifically that track and the Drive movie is kind of the it kickstarted a, a kind of second generation of musicians. Right. So that's the thing that. I, f- I find interesting is like trying to pin because obviously every time people try and write these articles everyone gets mad at them because everyone has a different perspective <laughs> and so like someone will write like uh, what is synthwave and then they get shit on because someone's like hey you forgot to mention this or that and well I've, I've got a feeling there is a real 80s genre called synthwave but from my understanding and I might be wrong here about the history of this is that the originator of the term or the re the kind of person who brought it back was Rick Shithouse, the the elusive Rick Shithouse, who who was running the a blog called Synthetics FM. I might be wrong about that. Okay, maybe I'll I'll, I'll ask him and see because I think Steve, I think Power eighty five Steve Gilson, I think he says he came up with it. Oh, does he? Interesting. It's a weird point of contention. Good old Rick Shithouse, as his pseudonym is online. He's he's kind of disappeared and retired a bit, but Rick was someone that I would was really instrumental in kind of getting that music out there in the early days because he got this blog and he'd adopted a policy if he did it if he didn't like the music he didn't review it so the only music that got reviewed was music he liked so everything was positive and everything was just about encouraging people so it wasn't so much about critiquing I think Rick Shithouse's ethos was I'm doing this not to critique the music but to encourage people to keep going and so many 
musicians like me would read reviews he'd written of our music and go, oh, someone out there's listening to me and someone out there likes me. And I maybe, maybe I'll bother to carry on doing this. So he was also someone who was aggregating and he was doing mixtapes as Synthetics FM. And there was a lot of people who were like, oh, I got on the Synthetics FM mixtapes. There were the aggregators as well that were massively instrumental in helping shape what was the sound. Rick was selecting like a DJ would stuff he considered to be synthwave and exposing it to other musicians and other fans. See, so my question is then around this time, because there's some people who, when I ask this question to people and I say, when did Synthwave start? Even though the term itself starts to get into, into use and like 2012 and obviously becomes more popular as it goes as a a hashtag and a tag or whatever in music people will say oh but i got inspired by this stuff that came before except that stuff wasn't called synth it might have been the same kind of genre and the question is does that technically count as being the first generation if like the valerie collective you know they they classified their music as like house and like disco and you know what i mean like they didn't yeah i don't i totally don't think the valerie collective are synthwave at all and i don't i don't even know if half the musicians that were called synthwave in 2012 13 were synthwave per se because they didn't know they didn't know what the term was i remember somebody telling me you're synthwave and finding out well what is this thing and i guess back then it was maybe being used more like like you say like a hashtag or like a kind of code for hey it's people making 80s inspired music it was like here's your tribe here are other people doing something like you're doing sort of and then as the sound defined it kind of grew out of it. So I, I'd say it came, it probably really kind of bedded in around 2013, 2014 as a kind of stiff, this defined arpeggiating Korg poly six, which everyone who know when they hear that, they know it, they know that's the sound and they pretend that isn't the sound, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My criteria is different, which is why I'm treating Synthwave more from the perspective of the scene than the genre, right? Because for me, it's like, I yeah. like electronic music. I like melody. I like the retro sounding synth patches, uh, you know, like, so like those eighties, those, those fat kind of bass sounds and things. And like, there's mm-hmm. all this stuff that I like and these, the chords, like big fat chords and stuff. So often I hear that kind of stuff where it's not music that I would say, well, this isn't synth wave, but it's got all these, these disparate elements that I like. I think where people get confused is they confuse the palette when you're defining a genre. So say you take rock if you said what is what is like heavy metal or something like that you wouldn't say if it's got distorted guitars in it and drums and a bass then it's metal that is not the sole thing that makes metal metal you've got to get into the composition and all style and things like that so often people have labeled something synthwave because it uses a palette of 80s sounds it uses 80s synths and 80s drums and everything that can't be the only criteria the criteria has to be more precise and more around the compositional techniques and the the things that typify it and so like i say one of those things that typifies it is that arpeggiating sidechain bass and a four to the floor kick drum and an 80s snare of some sort and some sort of pads and i could knock out a, a sort of on Fruity Loops right now in, in five minutes I could make the I could do you the thing that's like this is the kind of key co- core components of Synthwave for me personally I love anything with these it's the palette I like so as you're saying that now that's, this is why I'm changing the way I frame when I the way I talk about because I've always 
said synthwave is this genre, and then when I explain it to people, I explain not a genre. You know what I mean? Well, well, like, it, I, like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I tell you what's interesting is when I spot synthwave being borrowed in the mainstream, and I've called it out. Oh, this new Ariana Grande song is Nick and synthwave, and people will say. Oh, it's nothing like synthwave and I'm like I'm zoning in on the compositional techniques what I what I can hear and I've heard I've heard a couple of people do it lately like Troy Savan as well doing it is you can tell they've that the producers have probably gone and listened to a lot of synthwave and they've gone oh we like those ideas those compositional techniques we may borrow a few little elements but then we will also like modern it up with a modern palette and we'll do some more f- like high-end production techniques that will take it away from that but in there you i've i can you can sort of hear the the kind of core components being like lifted out and borrowed a bit so i'm quite perceptive to when i suddenly hear like a modern track i'm like oh you've nicked that's you nicking something that's fine that's fine but it's interesting that people can't that a lot of people don't notice that or they they don't really refuse to acknowledge that that's happened because well no it doesn't sound 80s it doesn't sound anything like (laughs) Like the way way you word it is so (laughs) dramatic like they just refuse to see (laughs) open your eyes you fucking (laughs) sheep refuse to see (laughs) look well how about i want to listen to another song here and then we'll we'll talk for a bit more uh so this is a new one right this one's called chill yes featuring jay diggs so let's fucking do it up cool Just be buddies with 
me under pressure Taking it slow is better You're trying to force forever, force forever I just wanna be homies Have a little fun while you get to know me And that was Chill by Sunglasses Kid featuring Jay Diggs. And that's a new one. New Jack Swing, baby. <laughs> new Jack Swing. How do you think you've changed in the past uh, six years? I actually don't think I have. Probably people are listening. When I, even when I drop another album, people are like, he hasn't changed at all. And he hasn't progressed at all. I have been so like paying no attention to the whole genre at the moment. I saw like a, a compilation album being advertised and I was like, I didn't recognize a single name on it. And I was like, oh my Grandpa. God, I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, fucking granddad here. I saw, exactly. I saw, I saw one name on there that I recognized and um, and I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm so out of touch with it all. But then you don't want to accidentally start copying other people and things like that. And that, that is something that I deliberately do. I, I don't not listen to other people out of some sort of like I think I'm above people or I don't want to listen it's because I, I want to isolate myself and keep myself kind of focused on what I what I do and not start to kind of accidentally copy people or start getting jealous of what people are doing or distracted from my own personal kind of mission so to speak so I think I haven't probably moved on particularly now <laughs> <laughs> I'm still making the same funky little shit. I suppose what I have done in terms of progressing, right? I suppose what I am doing is I am trying to sort of zone in on a slightly more aggressive sound that was kind of becoming the staple sound in the in the late 80s and the early 90s. And I've been listening to a lot of like people like Jam and Lewis and L.A. Reid and people like that to get inspiration for these these kind of more harder kind of new jack swing sounds and more aggressive sounds. So I kind of I'm evolving or changing in in sync with the way the genre did at the time so maybe a third album might sound a bit more like it's 1991 or something and then I'll be your rapper that's what I'll do <laughs> oh man I'd love to <laughs> I could already I already know all the lyrics that you'll have you'll yeah. be like tis tis no, but you can't be stupider than the actual ones that happened <laughs> I mean I know I've quoted this many times on the show but two unlimited saying feeling kind of better put on your sweater being hypnotized see it in your eyes feeling kind of better put on your sweater being like a wife I think it doesn't matter 
that was a real song on an album that you could buy. Like, I mean, you know, it's like stuff like that is is amazing. <laughs> Rapping back in the eighties was it's much more um not rap. I don't know what what it, what it was. Yeah. It was, like, was kind of like jive rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> I probably can't even say jive now. <laughs> it's like go to the mall and buy a pack of stuff. Well, it's, no, it's got to rhyme with mall though. Go to the mall and play with your balls. Seeing <laughs> that's right. Go to the mall and play with the ball. Don't get it. Stop. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Like, I think we're learning we're all bad at this. Actually, do you know what? I can actually rap. I actually can rap. Mm. I actually can sing as well. You, you haven't displayed any of this today. I, I actually can rap. Would you believe it? Uh, I, think I, I think I gave you a little bit of a taste of what I'm all about. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, this is, how, this is helping me shed the grandpa image. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's nothing cooler than an old guy rapping. It's like... <laughs> I, I do children's birthday parties. I do. Uh... <laughs> so listen, yeah. man, the bottom line is this, mm. because I like to deliver bottom lines on this show. I feel like we've spoken a lot about the synthwave genre. Is there anything else we want to talk about? I feel like I've been quite boring. I love how uh, introspective you are on the, uh, <laughs> on the, like, live. There's nothing but, like, when I talk to everybody else and we just do it and it's fine with you, it's like, all right, say hello. And then somehow that requires, like, two minutes of introspection <laughs> of whether or not it's appropriate. Or- That's why I come across as one of the more interesting guests. You know, you know I do. <laughs> You know, you know, you're a thoughtful guy. You seem to like put thought into things. And so you've got stuff yeah. to say, right? Like whenever I uh, yeah. have to riff on the mic, it ends up going downhill really fast. And I'm just like, well, my PlayStation fan is overheating. And that's like the kind of stuff I bring to this program, <laughs> which is why it's lasted 200 episodes. Yeah, man. People like to hear about uh, PlayStation fans and they like to hear about... Uh, just 200 episodes of you talking about GoldenEye to people. Well, there's been a lot of that. And it's that's not, all it is. And it's not going to stop anytime soon. Dude. I, there's, a, there's a retro arcade bar near where I work, and they had Goldeneye in there on the N64 that you could play. Mm. The controller is is weird. I I can't remember quite how it was, but it was like inverted or not inverted, because I play inverted, but it was in a way where I, I literally had to cross my hands to make my brain make walk walk it around. I, I had to cross my thumbs over it. I had to relearn first-person shooters when I moved away from the 64, because on the 64, you, you strafed with the yellow buttons, the C buttons, which that's, were... That's it. I and they're on the right. over the... Pl- I was strafing around at the, looking at the ceiling. On modern consoles, you strafe with your left hand and you move your your reticle with your right hand. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. So yeah, when I play the emulator, like the GoldenEye emulator, um, I I reconfigure it so it works on a PlayStation controller, and so I oh, I move cool. I move everything around so that it feels correct. Like when you're playing, it's like oh, that's the way it's supposed to be. But to talk about feeling old. There's nothing like playing a game like GoldenEye to make you go. I remember when that game came out. I literally thought they was photorealistic and now when i'm looking at it i'm like how the how did my brain think that when children are born now they're not born with the same we're all born knowing the same amount of information which is zero how do they know so quickly like how does every generation seem to adapt more quickly to like spotting things like if i showed like my three-year-old nephew the black and white godzilla would he think it was real the other day i had some doctor who on 
my son came home with a friend and I overheard them in the back because it was on in the TV because they were doing something else. And I did hear them going like, did this used to be like good? Like as if like the, the, this is what special effects were once upon a time. And then Had eight. I been there, I'd have chimed in. No, it was never No, no, no but, but the point the point is that like they're eight years old and they're recognizing on screen as kids that like, oh, this is antiquated. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. At eight. And I feel like when I was eight, I just sort of accepted whatever was on the screen. I'll be like, oh, that's that's what's there. But I, I guess what it is is that by eight years old now, you've been exposed to so much video. Like you're looking at screens from the age of about three onwards. People are putting their phones in front of their children and their children are watching CD. Like there's no actual hand-drawn animation anymore. Like, again, my nephew only watches all this sort of weird, shiny 2D CGI animations. And I tried showing him like Fraggle Rock, uh, the, like the original Fraggle Rock. And he was like glazed over he was not interested in it at all which i found really sad yeah because all the new cartoons have a flat look to them it's just weird flat cgi made by uncreative people whereas the, the golden era of like children's tv was the late 70 the 70s and the, and the 80s and the you look at even like what was considered like when your parents say why well, turn off this trash even something like thundercats the production values and the animation on that get on that show is is absolutely insane it's amazing yeah um oh my god have you sorry this isn't the podcast thing but have you seen the trailer for the netflix of course i have dark crystal series that shit actually looks good i was ready for it to be absolute bollocks and if it, it looks really it, it's like are they real puppets they're using because this if, it, if they're not puppets the cgi is some weird kind of puppet realistic thing right now that is the thing i'm most excited for i saw like a teaser trailer like a year ago that was like one second of footage and i was like huh, that looked like almost a puppet but it can't be because it'll be cgi bollocks and it'll be shit and then i saw that trailer and I was like, "Fucking hell, this this actually might be good." Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's going to be good, man. I'm excited. But look, we gotta we gotta wind this down. Yes, sorry. Well, look, when you uh, when you have your new thing all ready to go, have we wound it up? Do you need me to answer any quick questions about anything to do with albums, gigs, anything like that? No, man. This is this is all about celebrating me today. And the, oh, right. you know, do you well, want me to say anything celebrating you? <laughs> should, we, should we talk? No. Should, we could do we could do quickly five minutes on 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 you and me. We could talk about um, beyond synth a bit more. No, it's I feel okay. Like we've done this. To, we just talked about the genre. The, the yeah, genre but, that, but that's that's sort of like the theme of this show i've been talking about the genre with people and how it's changed and stuff since i started doing the show and that's kind of the theme well but it's but it's good man we did it we talked i i still think i still think i should uh, you should get in something about my thanking you because i think i would like i would like to thank you actually because we've been friends for six years which is a crazy thing to say and it's weird that i have got friends who have morphed into real life like people like highway superstar i was hanging out with all week last week and it's been an incredible journey for lots of people who've been brought together through the live scene that's emerged out of it and all of this has been made possible by people like you and gig organizers and and people who are passionate about the genre who aren't necessarily musicians but want to expose it to other people and want to expand it and everything and i think that the musicians we'd probably still carry on making music but that stuff is inspiring and keeps us kind of going and going right this is why we're doing it because you know we can reach people and it's, it's creating something that's more than just us don't know where i'm going there with that but anyway um <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> the the bottom line is beyond synth. Wishing you another, you know, happy another two hundred episodes. Let's say another two hundred episodes. Of you talking about gold mode? Yeah, well, people love it, man. <laughs> Although there was technically a hiatus for about maybe sixty or seventy episodes where I didn't talk about Goldeneye and purposefully beeped it out if I mentioned it. <laughs> but then I since dropped that because I don't care. But look, man, it's lovely to talk to you, you and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Talk soon, Dave. All right, and that was my chat with the Sunglasses Kid. Always uh, awesome to catch up with him. And listen, I think that's going to wrap it up for episode 200. But don't forget, this whole summer is episode 200. I'm going to be having similar conversations like this with a whole bunch of other guests. Some of them are probably going to be a lot sillier. Uh, You know, I try and keep the show focused, but you know how it is. Uh, I just want to do, like, maybe a random shout-out to some of my uh, $10 donors here, man. There's Fraser Davidson, Thundercats Ho, Dalton Bell, Heartbeat Hero, Cat temper and uh, albion algorithm you guys are awesome and remember if you want to support beyond synth out of the kindness of your heart you can go to patreon.com slash beyond synth or uh, beyond synth.com and click on the paypal donate button man there's all sorts of ways i've got people who who do it all sorts of ways all s- oh, fuck me <laughs> all sorts of ways that's the bottom line tonight is uh, i like it all sorts of ways so Have a lovely week. Uh, We will be doing a high five this week, so you can look forward to that. Uh, Maybe we'll talk a bit more about Outland then, because I'll be doing it with Julian, so he's probably got some stuff to say. And until then, I hope you guys have a lovely day, and look forward to more awesome uh, Beyond Synth for the rest of the summer. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) There's that wicked catchphrase, Binkley. Me sighing in fucking despair. Uh, see you guys next time. Thanks for this was Beyonce. No more show today. Now shut up, the robot ladies got something to If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or visit beyondsynth.com and click on support the show. Beyond Synth is made possible by the awesome Patreon supporters. Don't forget to follow Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Live broadcasts can be heard weekly on Twitch at twitch.tv slash beyond underscore synth. Have a lovely week.